Welcome back to Taboo Topic for your hot seat Wednesday edition of the show. I am the one and only Ken Drew, your host of Taboo Topic. And today is going to be a good episode, my friends. We're going to talk about public school versus homeschool and why homeschool has become more popular, especially among conservatives. Why that's become more popular, I invited a friend of mine that actually was homeschooled himself. So he's going to tell us his experiences and what he thought about the article slash monologue. But before we get started, of course, I have some thoughts and need to share a lot about this subject matter. So before uh, we get going and have bring in the guest for today, please stay tuned. We're, we'll be back after this short break. Welcome back to Taboo Topic. I'm your host, Ken Drew, per usual. And before I bring in my guest, there's some thoughts I have to think out loud. You know what I'm saying? This rise of homeschool. Is it the best choice? Is it at least better than public school? Now, I got to have a Okay, there's a story to tell, actually, before I really dig into it. Because there was only a brief period in my life when I was homeschooled. I lived in Honduras, and after some issues at school, my mother decided my education was to be done at home. She took it upon herself to teach certain subjects to me, while also hiring a tutor to ensure that the areas she lacked were covered as well. It was on and off between public school and homeschool. However, it was predominantly a home where the schooling took place. Here's the kicker. Little did I understand or know that by the time we moved back to the United States, she had given me more than a public school requires for first grade. Not to toot my own horn, but I was better off than most of my classmates. This experience, though brief, is relatable and one of the reasons homeschooling has become more popular. Homeschooling is becoming increasingly popular, because, especially within the conservative circle, given the recent controversy surrounding public schools, at least. I consider myself a product of the public school system, despite one of my broken why well, I'm one broken near of being homeschooled. But homeschooling my children is on my radar too. Now, it's not to mistaken be mistaken and say that I am forever grateful. I really am grateful for the relationships God presented me with my time in public school, as well as the educational opportunities. There has been a shift, though. I can't even defend it anymore. I do not believe that we need to abolish the public school system or leave it for dead. That seems to be the new rhetoric coming out of a conservative voice. But parents do have every right to decide the kind of education their child should have, even if it means that homeschool becomes the new norm. I adamantly support school choice. That's no, there's no question about that. But there's some stigmas we have to like really understand here. First and foremost, the history. Homeschooling is nothing new, neither in America nor globally. As a matter of fact, up until the 19th century, it was expected that parents would assume the position of giving their children basic education. Public school didn't even become mainstream until the end of the 19th century, with around 70%. Then by the end of the 1960s, about 90% of Americans from ages 5 to 17 attended public schools. The trend wouldn't change 
until the mid-late 1980s when parents became concerned with the secularization of public schools, which the majority of them were predominantly religious institutions before the 21st century. In 1999, about 1.7% of children were homeschooled. Then by 2012, the number had increased to 3.4%. And as of 2021, 11%, 11% completely taken out of the state school system, K through 12, and are now homeschooled. Those who are not religious affiliated have become attracted to this option as well. So what makes homeschool? An attractive choice. Here are a few reasons to consider. The flexibility. Parents can decide what's best for their children, not, but also themselves. Homeschools have modified schedules that are not under the restraints of state governments. They can have a couple hours to a few hours of instruction while having the rest of the day to commune with their families and community. Shit, I wish I had that. <laughs> Social maturity. Despite the stigma, homeschooling parents make a concentrated effort to ensure their children are socialized. We all know the stigma. That's like a big stigma. That they're really socially awkward and immature. Now, there is data to suggest that homeschoolers are, are higher on social development rating skills than state-educated kids. One study used the Vinland Adaptive Behavior Scale a well-tested diagnostic tool for measuring communication and daily living skills, and found that homeschooled children scored higher than public school students. The average score for homeschooled children on communication, daily living skills, socialization, and social maturity subscales at the 84th percentile compared to the 23rd percentile for the traditionally schooled students. Academic results. Check this out. Kind of validates why I guess I was, uh, why I felt I was a little bit ahead of my classmates in the first grade. But following the trend of data, homeschool students far outperform those in public school. The average test scores across the board had homeschoolers at around 80% versus 80 versus 50%. 50 versus 80. That's crazy. Higher results lead to better opportunities for higher education, which translates to better career opportunities. Better jobs means better, just better jobs means higher income potential or financial stability, something necessary for a healthy household. And these are just non-political reasons why homeschooling has become more popular. There are more non-political reasons to homeschool your children, but the politicization of our public school system has parents fleeing to homeschool. Now, aside from the findings on socialization, I cannot argue with the data. Everything points to homeschool being the better option between the two. That's not to say that everyone who is a product of homeschooling is guaranteed to be more academically advanced than public school children. In fact, there are plenty. And I say this because I was, I was kind of one of them, and I've not played plenty more, but there are plenty of children who are homeschooled because they don't have the capabilities to keep up with the pace in a state school or any school environment that's needing that extra attention. And the reasons why I push back on the socialization data is because there's no real concrete way to measure maturity. The idea of what classifies someone as being socially mature is abstract, varying on who you ask. 
there are some socially mature people that I've, whose education was done at home that I've met, but I've also met more individuals that are in that world that are socially immature and sheltered. However, that is based on my idea of social maturity. Homeschool, homeschool advocates would probably see my circle of friends from public school and conclude we're socially inadequate. It's a debatable and a half, but let's keep things in perspective. Regardless, it is my prediction that within the next 20 years, sending kids to public school will become the new minority choice. I cannot blame people for wanting to leave our public education system for dead. Hell, we could thank COVID for that too. Nonetheless, my hope is that we do not judge those who send their children to public school. We must keep an open mind with our options, put aside presumptions and biases, and give grace. We cannot know the situation of the family or even that child. It may be a healthier environment for the juvenile to be out of the home for eight hours of the day due to an abusive situation. Families may not have the social or financial support to send their children to a charter or private school, which is something we didn't even compare in this article. There are a lot of public school teachers who don't agree with what's transpiring in the schools, but choose to stay within the system to fight the Marxist indoctrination. And there are parents who have legitimate concerns about the decisions of the schools that's feeling it's best to take their sons and daughters out until the state education system does some soul searching. There are many moving pieces when it comes to figuring out what's best for our posterity, but ultimately, we must take everything with a grain of salt and take our emotions out of it. Is homeschool the best option over public school? If so, how does it compare with other options such as public charter, private, or non-religious or private school? Do your research, but don't turn a blind eye if the results point in a different direction. We'll be back after this short break. And now a word from my own sponsor, me. I know, I just said my own. I just kind of gave it away right there. Isn't that coincidence? Now, this sponsor is just me. There's no money to be made off this. It's just me getting the word out. Uh, first and foremost, if you've ever wondered where the hell I get these monologues and everything like that, well, I'm glad you asked, because in reality, they're just my articles from my Substack newsletter, all right, in which you can just look, find that just by typing in the URL at kenjin296.substack.com, kenjin296.substack.com, spell the word engine, put the letter K in front of the word engine, then you get kenjin, one word, 296.substack.com. And also, if you want to keep up to date when I post these articles and episodes for Taboo Topic, you can follow me on Instagram first and foremost. Just type in Kenjin underscore express. Kenjin underscore express. And then last but not least, you can also follow me on Facebook. Go to the search bar, type in Taboo Topic. Look for the logo that says Honesty Eagles Understanding. Here on this show, we dare to question narrative and think out loud where free speech triumphs your safe space. Every Wednesday we have a hot seat edition where I take one subject or idea and put it on the hot seat to the name and self-explanatory. I question and I am skeptical or I just dig deeper and I do some research as far as why this topic and idea is so popular or why it's becoming popular or becoming a trend. So that gets on the hot seat. That's Wednesday and on Fridays I do a weekend review where I pick three to four stories, or maybe six, depending on my mood and how much 
uh, time I have available on me. But I picked those stories because I think you'll find them interesting too. Stories that may be taboo and, or maybe the stories themselves are not taboo, but some of the opinions that people may have are taboo. And I give my own little synopsis and also initial reactions. That's guaranteed two episodes a week, every single week, coming your way. Which you can listen to this episode, you can listen to any episode on any platform, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts even. Any episode. In order for us to have true understanding, we have to be able to be honest with each other, am I right? In order for people to have true peace in our society and our people to have true peace, we have to be able to be honest with each other. We may not necessarily like each other or agree, but at least we understand where we're coming from. If we understand where we're coming from, then we have true peace in our own society, in our own population. Amen? All right, let's get back to the show. And welcome back to Taboo Topic. I'm your host, the usual Ken Drew. And here, joining me right now, I have my guest of the hour. I met this guy actually about a couple of weeks ago, and I met him onto the show. Uh, Devin, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself for the audience to know, I guess. Welcome to the show. So am I doing first and last name? It's up to you, man. All right. My name is Devin. I am a youth and worship pastor of sorts uh, in the north central Kentucky area. Uh, I am a graduate of Boyce College. Uh, I got a uh, bachelor's of science in biblical studies, I think is how they say it, with a focus in worship and pastoral studies. So that is my heart. That is my passion um, to not only lead the people of God in worship, but also to teach them. And I get to do that as a uh, worship and youth guy. Uh, go ahead and tell the audience how we became friends literally less than <laughs> after one week. I think that's a pretty interesting story to tell. I'll let yeah. you, since you're the extrovert between the two of us, I'll let you tell that story. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So, uh, so, so me and Ken uh, are both, we both have a mutual friend who got married uh, on January 1st. And so uh, we were down in Prattville, Alabama. So with Ken being from Florida and me being from Kentucky, like this is the middle of nowhere for us. Um, Prattville is decently big, but it's not that big. But like, so I get there, I've driven for like eight hours through terrible Nashville traffic. I'm really exhausted. And like, I'm realizing now that I'm going to be sharing a room with someone who I have no idea who they are. So I come in and I, did you like not have a lot of sleep the night before? I think that's what it was, right? Because you got in like 3 a.m. Uh, I want to say so. Yeah, because I ended up trying to do an all-nighter, and I realized that yeah. was a dumb idea on my part. <laughs> and I thought, I was like, oh, I'll catch up sleep. No problem on the flights. But the thing is, the flights were so short. And I think the first flight, as a matter of fact, was actually very uh, the space between my knees and the seat in front of me, there was very little space. Yeah. So even if I like crossed my legs, like I had to like scrunch up closer to my chest just to accomplish that feat. It was, uh, <laughs> it was very uncomfortable. So I was very exhausted and I was going to take a nap, but I ended up focusing on writing another article 
at the time. And I think that's when you caught me. No, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were writing the article. Either that or you were sleeping or something. I was but, right in the middle of writing an article. I had not yeah. slept at that point still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I walk in. Uh, Ken has got the curtains mostly pulled. So he's just sitting there in the dark with like just a little bit of light coming in. And I mean, he kind of looked like a vampire at that point because you were so sleep deprived. <laughs> <laughs> so I walked Oh my in gosh. There and you and I proceeded to talk. And uh, it was so funny because it had been a while just because of the holidays, man, like family and stuff. It had been a while since I'd been able to just sit down and talk to somebody about like the craziness going on in the world. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, but that's where we hit it off, and uh, we talked about your talked about your podcast, talked about a bunch of other stuff, just telling you know great stories and things like that, and yeah. The first and conversation was about Spiderman. That's how we hit it's it. Off, true, really. that's true. That's really true. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Yeah, um, no. Uh, for anybody who's seen it, we're not going to say any spoilers, but we talked about certain actors who may or may not be in uh, the movie. Although it's been long enough, you guys should go see it at this point. I was going to say, to an extent, if you haven't seen it, that's kind of on your doing. So if it exactly. slips, it's not really my fault. You should have seen it at this point if you really are, were concerned about spoilers. As yeah. a matter of fact, was it Steven at one point? That's the friend who got married, by the way. Yes. Was a friend, Steven. Yes. Um, didn't he complain to us about spoilers about a particular show? And we all looked at him like, dude, it's been over a year now. <laughs> you can't get mad at us for talking about it. What show was that? I can't. Was it book? No, it wasn't. Uh... It wasn't. It no. wasn't Mandalorian. I don't think it was Mandalorian. Was it Mandalorian? No, it's. I think it was a Marvel show. It's like a. It was like one of the Marvel oh, shows. <laughs> we were talking about the political stuff that's in um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh because, yeah, that's right. Because I said because <laughs> I mentioned the part where John. I'm still convinced because of the blood splatter and stuff, but the, I'm convinced that John cut that guy's head off in front of all those people on live, like you know, live stream or whatever from those people who are live streaming him. And I, just just like I, I said that my favorite part of the whole show was after that, the fight scene between him and Sam and uh, Bucky. And just the the cool part about it was I think the music, if I remember correctly, the music that played was the music that played at the end of Civil War when uh, Iron Man says that shield doesn't belong to you and he drops the shield or whatever. But like the part, like the climax where like Cap drops the shield in Civil War is when they take the shield from John, and then they, he says, "I think he says the same thing." I all of the Marvel fans remember. that listen to your podcast are going to fact check me, and they're going to be like, "This dude has no idea what he's talking about." Probably, but, <laughs> but Stephen was not happy that we were talking about. Yeah, it. <laughs> we were talking. About, he's like, he's like, "Dudes, why, why are you spoiling it for me? It's been out for a year, man." Yeah, one year Come is plenty on. of time. So I'll, <laughs> sure so I'll give it. the Marvel and Spider-Man fans some grace if they get upset with us. Like, I understand. Like, it hasn't been too long yet, but it's been almost... I think it's almost been a month now since it came Tell out. Me and Andrew. Who? Tell me and Andrew. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> we actually did end up seeing it a second time. At least yes. I did. Because yes. our friend who got married he had not seen it yet and we were really annoyed by the fact that every time we came into the room we had to quiet our voices and just stop talking about it yeah i, re I distinctly remember the first night we were all there we were watching spider-man 3 because david had a the director's or the editor's cut of it and so we watched it and we all freaked out because there is a scene in spider-man 3 where he's waiting in the hospital 
to go in and see Harry after their big battle at the beginning of the movie. And Toby is holding a coffee cup that just so happens to be the same coffee cup that um, MJ in No Way Home, or like it's from the same coffee shop that she works at. Excuse me. So we all like silently flipped out and stuff. And Steven is like, what? And we're like, no, 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 no. You just have to see the other movie. <laughs> and then we all decided the next day we were picking up our suits and did other errands, but we all decided the next day, like, you're going to watch this movie before you get married. <laughs> exactly. So that was part of the, um, that was part of the, uh, uh, just everything that led up to the bachelor party that we ended up having, which ended up just us being on playing until what it was like 2 a.m on halo probably i want to say i i don't think i think i may have gotten like a few kills here and there but for the most part like you guys y'all are the ones that actually knew what you were doing (laughs) we also just all giggled at you because you were you know having a good old time oh yeah that's right i was i had a little alcohol in my system at that point too (laughs) (laughs) you were slightly buzzed and so you were like i'm just slightly buzzed was man i was definitely not drunk otherwise i would not have remembered that um occasion <laughs> i do remember oh, like the man. next day like one of the brothers was freaking out for over like one shot it was like even a strong uh alcoholic beverage or anything like that they had a little liquor in there but he was freaking out like dude am i getting drunk am i buzzed and his and steven's sister and i were all telling him like dude no you're over way overthinking this right now way overthinking it you're... i've never touched alcohol in my life but it was just really funny just to see everybody else have semi-existential crises over it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so have so how have you been otherwise since uh, the wedding i've been good i've been good um i have uh been trying to get back into the swing of things at church uh we're going so i'm, I'm going out for the first time with the youth group uh this friday we're all loading into a like a bus and we're going to one of those uh big like multiplex things and we are um we're playing laser tag bowling there's going to be like billiards and stuff there it's gonna be fun and it's the first time that i've loaded them all up in the church van so this should be interesting i think it's maybe like a 2002 uh like one of those like Dodge vans that like you see like the 16 passenger vans. Uh, we got it repaired. I mean, the thing runs smoothly. It's just, <laughs> it's my first time taking them anywhere. And so uh, I'm a little nervous about that, but I'm also really, really excited to take them. Uh, they're all excited because um, yeah, it, it's, it, it'll have been, it's been a while since they've had a youth guy at my church that did stuff like that. Um Oh, look at you go. <laughs> so, um, but I'm excited to kind of have a lot of those firsts with them and such. And so. Well, I'm good. Yeah. How good you been, you, man? I've been pretty good. Um, I just got back from another wedding, actually, in oh, San Antonio. <laughs> yeah, I'm on fire with weddings. As a matter of fact, <laughs> since, I want to say since October, no, November. Mm-hmm. Take it back. October. Since October, I've had three weddings I've attended. Which oh my gosh. and that time span, that's a lot. It's one thing to go like maybe once a year, but like in that time span, that's a lot of weddings I've been invited to and yeah. I actually showed up. Yeah. And only uh two of those weddings actually had to take a plane uh ride in order to get there. And so I spent three days in San Antonio and it was actually mm-hmm. pretty nice to kind of see uh some of the people there because I just moved from there not too long ago, like yeah, less than 
half a year ago. We're at five months. Mm. And it was strange in the sense that I knew I didn't live there anymore. But I want to say like halfway through the three days in my head, it start, I started to think and envision myself as if I was living back in that area again. Mm. I would be coming back from an event. And, be, and all of a sudden, I'm in my head. I know exactly where the roads are. I'm pictured in my head. All right, I'm going home. I'm going home. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to the home that I'm used to. Yeah. But, and so <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, it was cool. Uh, it was just. It was a good time. It was cool to see people that I wanted to see, and I saw everyone who I wanted to see for the most part. Um, the couple. That uh, was a pretty big wedding, unlike our wedding. <laughs> that we t- partook in. Yeah. They actually had assigned tables. And oh, wow. It lasted more than two hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was yeah. The, the bride, The bride and groom at that point wanted to just be married and they just wanted to go ahead and get on their honeymoon and get out of there. They, they, they had been, they were in a long distance relationship. So I completely understood them Plus wanting to also... keep it short and just begin their life together. Plus, they're both introverts, if I'm not mistaken. So, kind of makes more sense. I, I, I think Stephen's definitely introvert. I just think Charity hates people, and so she's more anti-social <laughs> than introvert. <laughs> exactly, and so it was just funny because it was like, um, have you seen Parks and Rec? Uh, bits and pieces of it. So it's the part where um, it, it remind she reminds me a lot of April's character in the show where she goes, uh, when she and Andy get married. Sorry, spoilers. That show's been out forever, though. So you guys should have seen that already. But um, there's this scene in um, the show where Andy and April have this surprise wedding and they just surprise everybody at this get together at their house. But they're giving their um, like vows and such. And April goes, um, I lo-, she, she goes, I hate everything, but I don't hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So you compared charity to that. I see what you're doing. Not necessarily. I mean, there's there's a little bit there. I can see it. Um, well, no disrespect to the married couple of our friends. We obviously we send them our love and blessings and everything like that. <laughs> we're yes. not talking. We're not talking smack. I hope if you ever we love hear them this, very yes, much. we love them very much. If you happen to be hearing this in one millionth chance, just so you know, we're happy for you guys. All right, we we understand why you left for two hours. If anything. I was thankful it was only two hours because Lord knows I don't think I could have stood another extra hour or two. Those shoes were they were uncomfortable. It was for me, if I wore better socks, I probably would have been okay. Yes, but same here. I decided to wear the socks the men's warehouse offered. And I thought, yeah. oh, they probably knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Exactly. And lo and behold, no, they don't know what they're doing. And they probably uh, could use an Someone could use like a customer survey. They should do a customer survey yeah. as far as like, what was the experience like? Oh, yeah. And if I had any additional comments, I would type in there, like update your sock game, man. It's not, yeah. it's super uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, that whole thing was very memorable. I won't forget mm-hmm. it for sure. And oh, yeah. we, I mean, a friendship was built, was created as a result from this, from that event, <laughs> obviously. Which led us to how, why we're here today. Yes. And actually one of those conversations that we, one of the first conversations we had was about how I went to public school and you were homeschooled mm-hmm. growing up. And, and so, how you couldn't, didn't you say you couldn't tell or you could tell? I couldn't remember. Uh, when I first met you, my initial re- 
thoughts I couldn't tell necessarily. And then yeah. when I got to know you a little bit better, it was one of the, it kind of came out. I was like, all right, I see it now. <laughs> no disrespect to yeah. homeschoolers. Cause like I said, I mean, I think we had the, con- when we had the conversation, at least in a vast majority of my friends in San Antonio at this point, the ones that I saw with the exception of one or two people, mm-hmm. they were all, well, actually three people. Cause the groom yeah. uh, was not homeschooled either, but with the exception of those three people, everyone else in that community were homeschooled. That's like my friend group. <laughs> and I would go. have never thought, if you would have asked me like five, six years ago, or even just a few years ago, if that was going to be the case, I would have laughed in your face because my <laughs> initial thoughts about homeschoolers was very different back then oh, yeah, than it is now. Sure. Um, which actually, let's just get into it, shall we? Like, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. sure you read the monologue. You heard the monologue yeah. and everything like that. So... Yeah. What were your initial thoughts about the monologue? That's one of the things that stood out to you. So I will say um, I'm glad that you went ahead and you did address um, some of the myths that there come with homeschooling, like the fact that certain people are like there. There has been the myth for the longest time that if you raise your kids as homeschoolers, they're going to be socially awkward people that don't know how to interact with others. Um there are, you know, there are those that you do have or whatever, but generally, I mean, it all tends to be like centered around how the parent does homeschooling. You can do homeschooling in a vacuum without any support, without any help. That's kind of the worst way to do it, but um, you have more socially uh, adept individuals that come out of homeschooling when they not only have um you know that time at home but they also have like co-ops and things like that and one of the best things about homeschooling now is that there is become there's there's a lot of resources and community growing in um in that area like um you have more and more opportunities for uh students to interact with others outside the home and um especially when you've got Christian homeschoolers, because you also have church and things like that as well. Um, But yeah. And what was the other thing? Sorry, I've got it pulled up right here. I'm trying to, let's see. Cause I I listened to it last night right before I kind of went to bed. So I kind of have some general thoughts. That was the main thing that stuck out to me though, was the fact that you were very, very, um, that you that you sought to put that to rest about the whole social maturity thing. Yeah, I definitely wanted to be fair, even though I have my own background in public school and everything like that. And I know the people who have probably no interaction with homeschoolers, really, or very little interaction. They yeah. probably have that uh, stereotype or that stigma they mm-hmm. carry with uh, as far as homeschool. Whenever you hear the word homeschool, and so I wanted to at least be fair and represent my friends that I've met over the years that are, are homeschooled, which I obviously in the article I mentioned also, like I have definitely met probably more uh, socially <laughs> immature homeschoolers, but yeah. also I wanted to, I also want to put into context as well, as far as just the idea of what constitutes someone socially mature varies depending on who you ask oh yeah um because like i said i'm sure there's 
homeschoolers that will look at me and think I'm socially awkward. And <laughs> there's, and I know a strong portion of the public school products out there would probably look at homeschoolers and think y'all are socially awkward as well. But yes, I really do think it's a case by case basis at this point. Yeah. Um, and it also comes down to whether or not the person you're asking thinks that quote unquote social maturity is being exposed to just like the junk and stuff out there. Um, not necessarily like the indoctrination stuff you talk about in your article, but more so um, just like the perversion and stuff that can sometimes be in a public school environment. Um, I had, That's something I thought about as far yeah. as what someone may constitute socially mature would be yeah. more cultured probably is what they're thinking. Exactly. I'm sure there's, because I, I remember when I first started dating a, all these homeschoolers in San Antonio and everything like that, I would make a lot of pop culture references that they didn't get. And that kind of made it hard, but it made it a little bit harder for me to connect with them too. Yeah. And for me, it was just how I grew up. I didn't think there was anything wrong with the show. And when oh, I hear yeah. their parents, you know, kind of censored them from watching that stuff. Um, it blew my mind. Like, Oh my gosh, you're missing out, man. How come you've yeah. never seen Waterboy? Oh my gosh, come on. <laughs> but it's weird that yeah. I say that as I've gotten older and I've rewatched some of those like movies and TV shows and everything like that. Not that I would have done the same, but I definitely understand where they're coming from mm-hmm. now, as opposed to maybe five, six years ago. Or, exactly. Or just even a couple of years ago, even I understand yeah. why they took that precaution at the time. But mm-hmm. um, speaking of which, let's, let's talk about your homeschool experience overall. Yeah. What do you, what did you like about it? Not like about it? I'll let you talk. All right. So um, now this is not the this is not the homeschool experience of every single kid. Obviously, one of the best things about homeschooling is that you can make you can personalize a kid's education to their needs. Um, my mother was very great about this. Um, now, when she now when I was about uh, I think I was finishing up kindergarten I, can't, I don't even remember all the details about when i got uh pulled out of private school but I, I attended private school for preschool my preschool years and then i think for most of my kindergarten year um i thought i remembered graduating <laughs> from kindergarten but <laughs> my mom i think I've, I've talked to her recently and she said that they pulled me out halfway through to homeschool us uh, mom woke up in the middle of the night told my dad she's like i, th- I think we're being i think we're supposed to homeschool and so they prayed about it. They sought guidance from the Lord and they um, ended up deciding after my mom and dad um, had gone to some different conferences, read some different books, uh, decided to homeschool us. The funny thing is, is my parents, uh, when they were, it was back in like before we were born or maybe I think it was before we were born. My parents met homeschool families and they thought these people are so weird. Like we like we are never going to homeschool our kids. <laughs> Part of it also had to do with the fact that they met some very legalistic homeschool parents, and that's a that's a that's a. So what is what are what is the legalistic homeschool parents? What is that? So these are the types of parents that are um, that really they honestly kind of mirror the indoctrin like they they mirror like a cult leader kind of trying to like indoctrinate their children. 
So they never let their kids make any mistakes. They never let their kids get exposed to um, other ideologies, whether that be through movies or music or television. Um, wow, I just sound just sounded really old saying television. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, they they never let themselves um, or they never let their kids ever you know ask any questions as far as like that kind of stuff is concerned. My parents were not that way um so fun story about this so um you know most there's a lot there's definitely a stigma i think within the homeschool community that homeschoolers are anti harry potter um and yes, that's I've generally heard of that that's generally <laughs> true because there is magic and witchcraft but then you look at them and you go chronicles of narnia Lord yeah of the Rings, or star wars <laughs> or well yeah well the, 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 those parents would also i guess would sometimes be against star wars as well excuse me but um but so my dad used to listen to this uh, comedian when we were younger, uh, Brad Stein. And um, Brad Stein made a joke that um, I, I, I probably is kind of aged like fine wine, honestly. But he was talking about how um, there was how he had heard that there was a church in I think it was Albuquerque, New Mexico, that had had a Harry Potter book burning. And he what? was talking about how just how Christians just were very, very anti Harry Potter. And he goes, if Hitler tried it, maybe go another direction. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, it's pointing out a hypocrisy, though. Exactly. About it. Yeah, no, exactly. Honestly, I recommend you go listen to it. It's his, po- or it's his uh, show, uh, Put a Helmet On. It's really, really good. It talks about like political correctism. And it's, da- it's 2003, so it's obviously dated. But it, there's a lot of stuff that has aged really, really well. Um, I would say real quickly, not to get too off track, but when yeah. you talk to J.K. Rowling in some of her interviews, like kind of like what C.W. Lewis was trying to do with Narnia in yeah. particular, like that was like her world. That was kind of her way of explaining her Christian worldview. Mm, yeah. Um, in case, just fun fact, in case no one knew. So go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. You're good. So, so, but, but because we had listened to that pot, that that uh, show so many times as a kid, like in the car. We just assumed that that was our parents' default view on Harry Potter. Um, my parents never said we could could or could not read Harry Potter. And so um, it wasn't until I was 18 years old, or I was about 17, because it was the beginning of my senior year of high school. I go into the library, and I'm like, you know what? I'm almost an adult. I'm just going to, you know, go for it. You know, ask, you know, you know, do it now. Ask, you know, ask for forgiveness later. Right. Uh, so I, I go and I rent Harry Potter from the from the library and stuff and i start reading it mom's like oh what'd you get from the library i'm like oh i'm reading harry potter she's oh okay cool you'll just have to let me know what like what you think about it and i was like oh okay so i read it and stuff (laughs) and my parents my parents never got on my case for it they they were just like and then i it wasn't until just recently that we talked about it again my parents were like we never said that you couldn't read harry potter (laughs) Oh wow! And I was like, was like "What? Are you me kidding me? <laughs> You're kidding me? I didn't know that for years. You're kidding me!" And so, um, but we ended up kind of. I ended up kind of being like the filter for my younger siblings and stuff. Mom said that she was originally hesitant about Harry Potter because there was a little girl in our Sunday school class that was my age that tried to put a hex on her brother, but. <laughs> Other than that, like <laughs> there wasn't anything bad. So yeah, I mean, that, you can also are... look at that moment and like she's just being a kid using her imagination from what she read, probably. Oh, pro- <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't take it and, too seriously. <laughs> exactly. And so, um, but you know, those are those. That's like your more legalistic, you know, homeschool family. And then you've probably got the other side 
where I met a lot of kids that were able, were literally allowed to do anything and they were kind of terrible people. You know, just I mean, it's it's kind of like how it would be. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, aside from the schooling side of things, there wasn't a lot of difference between the legalistic parents of kids that went to public school and the very, very, um, you know, wild liberal. parents, <laughs> liberal parents, you know, that did, had no control over their kids. Um, the, the difference was just the schooling. Um, but sorry, we, we really went off track. Back to the question you asked me, uh, what did I like or did not like? Um, but that was the um, – so – that was probably one thing I didn't like was having to deal with other parents that were very legalistic. Um, but one thing that I really liked was that, um, you know, my mom was there for us. She was able, like we were able to just have really, really deep relationships with our parents, uh, each and every single one of us. Um, when I was a kid, my dad would wake us up every single day at 6 a.m. on the dot and it was funny because when I was in high school, I would groan because I could hear him coming up the stairs and he usually was playing music on his phone because that was back when music started <laughs> to be on phones and um, like on, on iPhones and stuff. And he would play like worship music and he'd come and he'd essentially kick the door down and be like, good morning. And that was when I realized oh, wow. that I was not a morning <laughs> person because uh, I would like hiss like a vampire and be like, go away. Um, but he would take us downstairs and we would all gather around the kitchen table and dad would do morning devotions with us. He would read us. He would either read us the scriptures or we'd go through a Bible study. Excuse me. He taught us uh, like apologetics and stuff about how to defend our faith and things like that. Uh, and that was just a really sweet time. Also, there was a brief period of time where my dad was able to get a day off during the week. Um, it was back when the economy, I think, was a little bit better. Um, and before Obamacare, but, um, <laughs> my dad, my dad's a family physician. Okay. Um, but, uh, my dad, uh, he would have Wednesdays off and it was about that time. I think we were in middle school and my dad would come, he would have his day off or whatever. We'd go to my grandmother's house. We would eat lunch. And then in the afternoon, my dad would teach us about the civil war. My dad, I think he's told me that if he didn't become a doctor, he would have gone back to school and become like a history teacher. He loves history. And so it was super cool because especially when we did American history and civil war stuff, my dad would, we would sit down, he'd read us the books and stuff. And then we would sit down and watch the Ken Burns uh, civil war documentary that was put out by PBS. By the way, if you guys, if any of y'all are interested in the civil war, that is the documentary to watch. It is so cool because as they're explaining the story, they will have dramatic readings of letters and correspondence done by the soldiers and generals and civilians about the war and it is so cool uh, especially for understanding that period of history they even go back i think maybe about five years before the civil war just to kind of everything that led up to it but my dad would do that with us um, my mom would read us books in the afternoons probably up until we were in probably the probably the end of my middle school time my mom would read us books in the afternoon um we read different uh like johnny tremaine and just these really really good classics and just different books about different eras different time periods um i mean some of my favorite books and i, I honestly want to go back and read them but 
just my love of, I think probably my love of reading and my love of story came from those times. Another really awesome thing about like the personalization and just how we were able to just, because this is something you mentioned in your article, but the flexibility that homeschooling brings. So my grandmother was a um, English teacher for about 40 years, not 40, probably about 30 something years in the public school system. And she taught everything from ESL to lit to all sorts of things. But when I was in end of my middle school time or in a time in middle school, and then in high school, my grandmother would have me, my brother Corbin and our two best friends at the time over to her house on Tuesday mornings to have English class. And she would teach us English class. We, and we, my favorite probably that we did was English lit because we got to read like Wuthering Heights, Frankenstein. Um, I think Frankenstein is English lit. That's uh, terrible if I don't remember that. Um, no worries. <laughs> and uh, Shakespeare, Beowulf, like we read, we read sections of Beowulf, different stuff like that. And then we would just discuss them. Uh, when we did American Lit, we did uh, the adventure. I think we did the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn and Uncle Tom's Cabin and different books like that. And that was it was powerful. I mean, we got to read some of these incredible stories and just to discuss them and with my grandmother. Um, and that has given me such a deep and incredible connection to my grandmother. And it taught me the importance. I mean, church taught me the importance of this too, but um, it taught me the importance of listening to the older generations and just sitting under them and listening to their wisdom and learning from them and being willing and humble enough to learn from them. Um, yeah. That's something you don't really see much of these days. If anything, our generation and the younger generation attacks the older generations. Oh that's yeah. More common. Oh my gosh. I know. I know we make jokes about it. Like, you know, uh, okay. Boomer and stuff like that. Right. But and even even like how I mean I'm I'm a 1997 kid, uh so like I'm right on the cusp. Like you're a millennial, but like there's a lot of my mannerisms and stuff, especially being a youth minister to Gen Zers, like true Gen Zers. Um, I feel like I'm a I'm a millennial sometimes. Uh, in the words of one of my favorite YouTubers currently, uh, Jakerton, he's like, I'm 26 years old, and apparently on the internet that makes me a boomer. Uh, <laughs> like. I'm 24 years old and I feel like a boomer most days because of just how, what everything going on with Gen Z and things like that. But I mean, if you think about it, a lot of the <laughs> stuff, like we did not, there's a bunch of five-year-olds that'll walk around and I'll see them on iPads. We definitely did not have iPads. Oh, when we no. were five years old. As a matter of oh, fact, no. we were, as a matter of fact, our parents probably, probably told you too, but my parents definitely told me, don't get too close to the TV or that'll hurt your eyes. And now we have, <laughs> These five-year-olds that have these screens right, right up to their face, the entertainment. So, yeah, um, <laughs> there's a big, yeah. I definitely feel old and like a boomer, and so if they call me a boomer, it's like, well, I could, I understand why, I guess. Yeah, because there's such a technology's vastly uh, advanced in just the mm -hmm. short time span that we've had, but um, which we call, but all that stuff that you mentioned as far as flexibility and stuff, I mean it really can be beneficial for not only people who maybe more uh, maybe learn at a faster pace, but also at a yeah. slower pace. Oh yeah. And, and it gives them that individual time that they need 
exactly. they probably wouldn't have gotten probably wouldn't get from a at least definitely not a public school setting. I can't say private school or charter school because I didn't even get into it for my this episode in the article. But yeah, um, at least compared to a public school setting where you have classrooms depending on state where they'll allow like 30 students in one class and yeah. to ask one human being to teach and personalize their uh, <laughs> what they need to 30 students in just a 45 minute span yeah. is practically impossible. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I think knowing, you know, talking to my grandmother about this, um, I'm also like, my pastor's wife is um, involved with special ed and stuff like that. And um, my girlfriend, she is um, she she's also a, a public school teacher. And there's a lot of things that you that it's limiting in being a public school teacher. Um, by the way, all the people I just mentioned, they're all saints. Like they're just incredible people. Um, and you know, there's some of the ones out there that actually care about their job. That that's, that's one negative thing that I've heard so much from my friends who went to public school is that there were some teachers that just, I mean, my girlfriend just told me yesterday, like the, a story about her <laughs> geography teacher was a, was supposed to, was like a coach came to their school or whatever. And he, he would come in, he'd kick up his feet, put them on the desk and say, I'm not here to teach geography. I'm here to coach da 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 sport. I can't remember what it was. And then they would just oh do nothing for the entire period. So she she didn't really learn geography because of her geography teacher. But I mean, I had I mean, I'm still friends with them. Uh, my geography teacher. So this is another part about uh, one thing I love about uh, homeschooling is um, if you can't teach it as a parent, there's probably a co-op you can find where there's a parent that can teach it better than you. Um, and then you can, uh, like the co-op that we were a part of in order to be part of it, you had to serve in a certain way. So you either had to teach, you either had to like serve as like an administrator or something like that in order to keep the co-op going. Um, so my geography teacher, and this was also a really cool story. He was the first male teacher I had had at the co-op and I absolutely loved him. It was his first time teaching geography, but, um, he made it fun. And he made it fun for all of us. And um, I also realized in that moment, I was like, I think one thing that maybe I would do different and probably one advantage that uh, maybe public school, te- maybe public school kids have over homeschool kids is you have uh, teachers of both genders. Um, because with a homeschooling model, you can't have necessarily both parents there at all times to teach. Um with a public schooling, you do have those teachers that care and you can have, you know, in some of the male role models, or if you're a, a woman or a girl, you can have th- those female role models at school um, to teach you those things and such um, that maybe you wouldn't necessarily get because of, I don't know, either family limitations or just family dynamics and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there's definitely an advantage yeah. to getting a perspective, just even with like as simple as basic as science, whatever, or like chemistry, for example. Oh, yeah. I'm sure like how a female would teach versus a male would teach it is going to vary because of their, uh, I mean, not to, no pun intended by the science topping it, but their <laughs> biology and how we're, they're <laughs> wired, you know? Yeah. Yeah. God's made us different. 
and that's okay. <laughs> it is okay. I, we are. Hey, I was is, like, we we are equal image bearers before God, but God definitely made men and women different, and that is a good thing. Yes, and on this show, I am unapologetically gonna say that, and you can say that without having to mince your words. So don't worry oh, about I, it. Welcome I would have said it topic. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I would have said it anyway, and you probably would have just canceled me off the show. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I would never invite you back on the show. You're done. But it sounds like, it sounds like you're open to the idea of homeschooling your children. Yeah. So why is that? Um, so I'm going to so as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the scriptures are my ultimate, um, not only my ultimate standard, but my ultimate source of truth. And there is a very, very helpful verse in Proverbs 22, 6, and it says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So that verse, I, it's, it's been used a lot within the homeschool community, but I take that verse specifically to mean just to talk about the importance of raising your children and having such an intimate involvement in their education. Um, I understand that there are some parents out there and I would be open to the idea of homeschooling my kids, but if I have to send my kids to public school, I'm okay with that. I just want there to be, um, I want to be involved. Like I don't want to be a, a backseat or, or a backseat driver or not a backseat driver, just a passenger in my kids' education. Um, whether I have, you know, all sons or all daughters or a mix of um, both, um, I want to be there for them to teach them not only the scriptures, but also to just to be able to have them to ask questions. I think one thing that I love about homeschooling and I want I, that I want for my kids is to not treat them like they're idiots. I, <laughs> okay. I, you know, I, you know, that, that sounds kind of harsh or whatever, but I feel like, especially within our, within today's culture, I mean, if you look at children's media and you look at stuff from, I mean, when we were kids, I watched like cyber chase and I watched stuff like Jimmy Neutron and I watched stuff like Phineas and Ferb. But now, even when, even when I was like a teenager and stuff, there was shows that were coming out that are so dumb. I'm sorry. I'm they not dumped gonna, down the humor. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I'm not going to let my kids sit there and watch Coco Melon or whatever is on YouTube for three hours straight. I'm going to read my kid a story. I'm going to play with them. I'm going to, you know, when they're like little, little, and then when they're like a teenager and stuff or not a teenager, but like, you know, elementary school and stuff like that, I'm going to continue to play with them, continue to talk to them, continue to, you know, to talk to them. Like they're not an intellectually inferior person to me. I feel like, there's so much talking down to kids that happens these days. Kids understand a lot more than we give them credit for. I'm learning this so much right now as a youth minister. I mean, I don't talk down to my kids. I try to talk to them on like a level that I feel like I know I try to treat them like they are an intellectual equal with me. Um, and if they have questions, I'm willing to go back and, you know, walk with them through it, like the stuff they don't understand. And I just, I love watching kids learn. Um, I think it's probably one of my favorite roles about the church that I'm at is I get to teach them and stuff, but um, I digress going off on like a different tangent and stuff, but there's another scripture I want to read. Um, 
and this is uh this is very very biblical and if you have any i mean jewish listeners this is probably very um familiar to them but this is deuteronomy 6 4 through 9 and it says hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one you shall love your the lord your god with all your heart with and with all your soul and with all your might and these words i that i command you today shall be on your heart you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. There's a very, very clear picture right there in that scripture passage about what it looks like to teach your kids. I'm going to say that last part about the writing on the wall or, or on the doorstep. Just remind, I just went back to the time where Moses was trying to leave the, his people out of Egypt. And he told them, like, hey, before tonight, make sure you put the mm. blood, the lamb of the blood on top of your doorstep. So, you know, God's spirit won't go in your house or whatever. And those yeah. who, um, those who didn't do it, AKA most of the Egyptians, if not all of them, probably uh, mm. uh, they felt God's wrath. But I think it's also metaphoric in a sense that if we do not do that for our posterity, they will be led into a life that is not only emotionally destructive, but also intellectually destructive as well. And yeah. they'll be susceptible to falling for really anything, which, yeah. If you don't stand for anything, you're going to fall for everything. Yeah. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. Uh, you know, it's really funny. I heard that quote and it wasn't from its original source. It was from the Christian rock band, Thousand Foot Crutch. They put it in one of their um, in one of their albums or whatever. And like Trevor McDevin's just sitting there. He's, he's on the track. He's like, if you don't stand for something. And you'll fall for anything <laughs> just know that so like every oh, time wow. i hear that quote that's how i hear it in my brain but um i think also the very just important like thrust and application of the passage is just how um not only like we teach the truth to ourselves but also we teach it diligently to our children and yeah. when we, we talk about it as we sit in the house when we walk by the way when we lie down when we rise like this is a picture of a parent that is intimately involved in their kid's life. So I think if, if the Lord wills and if um, we, if I am financially able uh, when I have kids to, um, to homeschool them, then that is the picture that I want. I want learning to not be a taboo thing um, to not, you know, stifle a child's curiosity because it doesn't fit with a lesson plan or because it doesn't, or because we don't have time. Um, right. So something I have to interrupt here because something, oh, you're good. You, yeah, something you said, I was surprised. It caught me off guard. The cons, the idea of you potentially open of sending your kids to public school. I was not expecting that to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so, Really quickly, telling I just want to get into the stereotypes a little bit. I will we yeah, can yeah. go back and forth here. Yeah. Um, let's start from your stereotypes about public school students. Yeah. Let's <laughs> what do you, what stigmas do you carry or you had to work through 
as you get met more people from the public school world? <laughs> this is such a this is such a loaded question because there's so much growth that has happened since I have been since I was like in a um high school and stuff. When I was an when I was in, not only an ignorant but also an arrogant little punk, I um I thought that uh, homeschooling was superior in every way and that. Uh, the education system was just failing in general uh, kids in public school. Um, now, granted, I did have friends and stuff in public school that helped Help validate <laughs> helped validate it. And part of it had to do with the fact that so like one of my best friends in high school, um, she was a um, honor student like or no, I was honor student. That's like a, is that is that a public school thing? Honor student? There's yeah, there's like honor students, AP yeah. students, AP student, yeah. So she was an A, so she was an AP student. Um, she was she was so smart, and so like she just was so hungry to learn that I think if I remember correctly, she finished all of her AP courses in her sophomore year of high school, and then she just took college classes for the rest of the time, um, because her public school wouldn't allow her to go any farther or they wouldn't allow her to advance any farther. They had nothing else to teach her. So they would try to hold her back with other people. And she's like, no, you can't hold me. I mean, her parents were rightfully frustrated. Um, I mean, my, my girlfriend, she, um, she graduated high school with an associate's degree. And so when she went in to get her bachelor's, she was already like a year, which with an associate's two years. Right. So she was already two years ahead. Yeah, two years she was two years ahead of everybody else. And part of that was because, you know, she just was, she excelled a lot farther than anybody else in the um, grade and stuff. Uh, and then like another, I'm trying to think of other stereotypes uh, generally. Uh, hmm, that Don't worry that about public, missing words. <laughs> that all, that all public school kids would be bullies of homeschool kids. Um, ah, okay. I learned that this is not the case um, many times, but many times over because of many, many friends. I mean, one of my best friends, Stephen, the guy who we went to the wedding with. I mean, he's public, he school, public, school, public school product, and he is one of the sweetest, most loyal friends I've ever had. I mean, I think of him like a brother. Um, but I also was I was also really, really bullied by a guy in uh, middle school and in high school who is from public school. And um Granted, there was a lot of other things going on there. And, you know, one thing that I think a lot of people don't understand with bullying, and I think more people need to understand with bullying, is that there's always their side of the story. It's never just you. You need to look and try to try to put yourself in the bully's shoes to understand what they're going through. But um, especially, I mean, especially with our culture now, with how divided everything is, excuse me, to try to put yourself in the shoes of someone who is who may be against your political ideology just to try to understand and empathize with their side of the argument is so huge. And it would also opens the door for so many more conversations with people who might disagree with you and shut you off um, after like talking to them for 30 seconds and you open your mouth and they go, ah, conservative. Blah, 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 blah. Right. So um, what, so what, so what are the stereotypes that let's say even a couple years ago would have held you back from being open to the idea of sending your kids to public school were those stereotypes that you just mentioned like one of those or there's more to the story there's more to the i think also just the um that every single public school kid 
has had a um, some level of perversion to them because of what they've been exposed to by the quote unquote world. It was funny before I uh, left today, me and uh, my pastor were talking about this because he sends his uh, kids to public school, what he calls uh, the land of Philistia. I think he calls it jokingly. Uh, or no, he said, he said, I send them to Philistine school, but, <laughs> okay. um, it's the same school that his wife works at and stuff, you know, so oh, it's okay. a joke, but, um, but I've just with stuff I have encountered recently and just stuff that I've seen with friends and other things like that, there's no, if parents are pulling their kids out of school to get them away from perversion and get them away from the disgustingness uh, and filth of just overly sexualized culture and filthy language and stuff like that as well. There's no escape from it now with the internet. It's one click away. So whether or not you send your kid to public school, it is not going to determine whether or not your kid is exposed to pornography or exposed to sexual slurs or cuss words and stuff like that it it's all you know accessible either on you know just the internet or you know cussing and stuff you know some of the most popular youtubers are filthy mouthed and so that's you know so i've just i mean i've learned that there's i mean homeschooling is not going to solve that issue um and um i'm trying to think of other stereotypes that may or may not be accurate. I was um, going to say, like, it, so it sounds like, I think for me, when I, re when I hear parents talk about why they're pulling their kids out and for the perversion and stuff. Yeah. Um, really to add on to your point real quick. Yeah. That point probably would have not applied 20 years ago. Oh, Because you know, no. that was definitely not a thing back then. So back then parents had a lot more control as far as what came and what came through, um, the filters for the kid to be exposed oh, to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, with that said, though, just because the, I think for them, it's just one way to feel secure mm. and having mm. some control of filtering what they're being exposed to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It all comes um, control. Yeah. But, but, it, but in order, maybe for them, at least, they feel as though like they're, helping and not enabling exactly. a system to continuing to expose them to oh, yeah. perversion all the yeah. time versus where if you have them at home, yes, the internet's still there and everything like that, but yeah. at least they don't have an entire system that's actually trying to enforce that perversion on them either. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. And um, I think there is a certain level of, control that you get with homeschooling that is appropriate and helpful. And I feel like parents should have more control over like what is taught specifically to your students. Um, I think that, I mean, now we're seeing it with CRT and stuff like that. And remember when, Oh gosh, was it back in the sixties or the fifties that um, there was the big court case and the movie was made about it. Um, that had to do with whether or not evolution could be taught in schools. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember the exact case, Hold but on, I know I'm going to look about. this up because I don't want us to be uh, ignorant or whatever. 
let's see court case uh evolution versus creationism there it is it was um the i'm gonna mispronounce it oh edwards versus out aguillard or agillard it was uh, agillard okay uh well, apparently, this one was in 1987, so I'm completely off. Uh, I homeschooled in a public school student. Can't figure out how to pronounce what word. <laughs> no, okay. No, 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 no. Sorry. I'm pretty sure the first one. Let's see. Webster. It was uh, the first one was in 1968, and it was uh, Epperson versus Arkansas. And I'm pretty sure it was the. And I don't know if it was that one specifically, but there's one specifically. It was the, called the Monkey Trials. That's what it was called. Um, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. For and sure. so like that was the big, you know, that was the big debate and all that was whether or not this should be taught in public schools. And I'm, I wish that parents cared enough nowadays. And I think there probably are some, I just haven't seen a whole lot of it that are willing to take class action responses to the, to wanting to indoctrinate children um, towards CRT. And things like that, uh, because I think it was uh, Elon Musk that said recently that um, wokeness at its core is divisive. So it's and, I, and I've seen this also in the stuff that I've read about it. Um, but we should as parents, I'm not a parent, but, you know, parents should be able to walk up to a public to go to the public school and be like, we don't want you teaching this to our kids. I mean, there's been plenty of cases of parents that have said, we don't want you teaching biblical Christian uh, Judeo doctrines to my atheistic kid. Why shouldn't we be allowed to come in and say, hey, I don't want to teach. I don't want you teaching CRT to my kid because um, I don't believe that my child is inherently racist. We've grown up in a community that had he has been exposed to multiple different ethnicities and he's not racist. The kid doesn't even know what racism is. Don't be exposing my kid to that. So, you know. Critical race theorists would be upset with that last statement, unfortunately. Oh, I know but, they would. I would totally be canceled for that, but, but isn't this called taboo topic? <laughs> yeah. But, and also, if anyone, if there's any dissenters who would probably want me to be canceled or you to be canceled after the show, um, I'll ask you how many times you break bread with them because I bet – if you if you break bread with other people from other cultures and ethnicities, that says a lot more about you than someone just yelling out you're racist oh, for yeah. saying that. You know, oh, I have friends from other cultures, no problem. I get along with them just fine. But ladies uh, and gentlemen, I'll just say this: I can't be a, like I'm not a racist, and there is examples why. Uh, two of my siblings are adopted from China, and they look nothing like my family. And I love them like they're my own siblings. I can't imagine life without them. Um, and the whole issue of the color of their skin matters very little to me. It is who it's they are my family. They're willing to the fact they're willing to break bread with you, I think, speaks volumes anyway. So yes, <laughs> if they weren't, if they, were <laughs> they lived in the same bread. house. My this my sister Lily lived in the same house with me for oh gosh, so we got her in 20, 2011. So she lived in the same house with me for about eight or seven, seven or eight years. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I, no, yeah. So. Yeah, so, 
which me cop. But yeah, so I mean, like I said in my article, though, like at least when it comes to how much the public education system has changed in the last six years yeah. from the time I graduated. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, it's vastly different. I remember mm-hmm. um, the sex ed talk that we got in public school, which it was first and foremost, parents had the right to consent to that. Like there's an actual forms that we would get before uh, that event took place and we would give it to our parents and the parents had the option to opt out or they would have, or they could have given permission. And even then the sex ed class, it was just like basic biology and not yeah. anatomy of like the male and female. It wasn't anything radical. Yeah, and now no. we have some school districts, public school districts now across the country that are teaching the new gender identity uh, formula and mm-hmm. stuff and LGBTQ, which yeah. I mean, Again, nothing against the LGBTQ community in regards to their valuable, you know, they're valuable in God's eyes. They're created in their image and everything like that. But I'm also not going to pretend there aren't health risks associated with that lifestyle and to pretend that the, if you embrace the lifestyle, the pastures are greener. I don't want that being taught to my kids because that's yeah. far from the truth. That's a lie, and that's indoctrination, right? It's also it's also a lie to say that that kind of a deviant lifestyle. That's and I say deviant in the way that it's deviant from God's original design, because I'm sure there are plenty of people that are in the LGBTQ community that would say that they are good people and they probably do live lives as good people, but the Bible is very clear about how that is a sin. And I think one of my one of the things that I mean, especially with that, I mean, since you brought up the issue, uh, I I would have a very hard time with a sending my kids to a public school that teaches openly that that is okay, that that is how the world is designed, and that gender dysphoria and stuff like that is okay, and that people who are confused about their gender and their gender roles are not people. better off. They're better that, off. They're better off just floating. They're better off floating in a sea of nonsense and of ambiguity, ambiguity than being told the truth about their anatomy. I mean, it kind of goes back. Yeah. kind of goes back to the Bible verse you said earlier and my reference to Moses where he told, like put the blood of the lamb on top of the doorstep. Yeah. And if those who didn't, like they saw God's wrath and destruction or something like that, when we don't do, we don't put the blood right of Jesus Christ on our children's doorstep, if you will, that's the kind of stuff, that kind of ambiguity, that destruction, which for the whole gender dysphoria, they're encouraging them to basically destroy their own bodies to exactly. become someone they're not. It's leading someone, and I don't want to sound like I'm a conspiracy theorist Christian because there are plenty out there, and that's not good. Ah, embrace it. No, just embrace but, it. Just, say, just embrace it. You have, <laughs> as, long, as long as you say you have the – no, honestly, on my show, like I will say things, and I will say like I set, will probably sound like a conspiracy theorist. It's speculation. I'm not going to – Don't hold me to it. Don't hold me to it. I have yeah. no direct, I make, I do, I always make the emphasis. No, I'm serious. Like, I yeah. always make the emphasis. I do not have direct evidence to support my claim. Well, since we're on the subject, of, since we're on the subject of LGBTQ or whatever, 
Um, I'm going to read probably the most controversial passage and the thing that uh, liberal Christians wish weren't in their Bibles. Um, so it's Romans 1, 18. This is going to be a little bit of a longer one. I'll try to read it quickly. But it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and foolish and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they have exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for for their women. They ex or women exchanged natural relations for those that that are contrary to nature. Sorry, I'm having a stutter apparently. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see it fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. That's Second Timothy or First Timothy? That is Romans 1, 8 That was Romans. I, through I know there's a... I know there's a verse in timothy oh i can read it for it. you hold on let me no, get it no we got it it's all good no i get it though i mean yeah but just for that for that reason though like i completely understand why so especially christian parents who probably wouldn't have cared so much about their sending their kids to public school why they're yeah. now they're being concerned about the direction the public school system is going yeah and it's a shame because about a few years ago i would have been a strong advocate to like no it's educated public school i had a great experience exactly it was one of those you know uh i had a lot of pride in the fact that i came from public school and at this point mm -hmm. in my life um to kind of go kind of revert back to the stereotypes yeah i was starting to finally break away from the my own stigmas i had about homeschoolers in yeah. general and so i would still advocate for public school despite me being more understanding, having more nuance to homeschoolers as a whole. Um, but now, I guess, joke's on me now, and I kind of feel <laughs> dumb occasionally when I think back to my younger self and because I was like, man, I was so naive what was going on. Because yeah. obviously, I'm not a parent, first and foremost. Neither one of us yeah. are parents, by the Neither way. Neither one of us are parents. Yeah, we're just talking hypothetical when we talk about <laughs> our children, all right? But – 
Um, and I'm far from an expert on homeschooling. I just have been, I'm a homeschool alum who has had some very, has a very intimate experience with the knowledge or with the subject matter at hand. So yeah, no one on this show ever claims to be an expert unless they actually <laughs> claim to be an expert in something, which there's not very guests I bring on my show that are actual experts. So I digress. The most but, credible source that I have quoted on this show is the Bible. So there you go. That's that's that, that's that says a lot about me. <laughs> our bias is well, our bias says it's the most credible source. There's gonna be non-believers, but oh, even yeah. then, if you're not a believer and everything like that, take the Bible for a grain of salt and take it for look into the moral aspects of it that can bring to a culture at the very least. But if I was gonna say, if you don't mind me reading something real quick, um, there is something or whatever that I want to read because I can't read. Romans 1, 18 through 32, without including this at the top. Um, and Romans 1, 16 through 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And... Um, I'm sure you have people from different like religions and stuff on your show, but um, for those, and I mean, you and I share this faith, but um, for those who don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, I would recommend that you look at John three sixteen, where it says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you don't know God, you're headed in the same direction as those that we read earlier. Um, separation from him, you're darkened in your thoughts, you're darkened in your mind. Which we both were at one point, too. We both were, too, as well. Yeah, the grace of God saves has saved me. I, uh, since, Paul, since the Apostle Paul is no longer around, I fully take the title of Chief of Sinners here. Um, I need the grace of God more every day. Uh, because he, because the closer I get to God, the more I see how sinful I am. But Jesus has saved my my soul, saved my life, and um, I believe that one day I will spend an eternity with Him. Um, and God's truth, God's word, it's not only like the um, it's not only the guide to all truth and is a foundation for a lot of the truths that we see in the laws of this country and in the way that this country was set up, but it's also a guide to how to meet and know God because that is the true and full happy life um, is to have a relationship with God. And it's more than just escaping hell. It's more than just escaping the, rough circumstances that we're in currently um it's about escaping or not about escaping anything it's about entering into a relationship with the creator god who made the universe who as the verse said um we know about the, his power and divine nature from creation the god who made the sky who made the beautiful snow that we see today here in kentucky um is the same god who sent his son to die for your sins um, and you can have a relationship with him. Wash away your s sins like snow. See what I did there? Um, exactly. <laughs> sorry. Sorry for. Okay, I'm off my soapbox now. I just I did with that with reading Romans one eighteen through thirty two, where there's all that talk of um, judgment and 
specifically Minister, about the sin and immorality in the world. I get it. I needed to give the hope. I needed to give the hope that I believe in. <laughs> he's one. He's a minister, wannabe minister. So you got to give it to him, guys. Not it's a okay. wannabe. Anyways, <laughs> anyways. Um, back to the subject at hand: homeschooling. Yes, I mean, but it all kind of revolves revolves back to homeschooling, as far as like why many, especially Christian parents, are taking their kids out of public schools now more than ever. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you saw the stat in there where we're at 11 percent now of the U.S. population where is homeschool like full-time homeschool they're they've actually are out of the public school system and where is my mind (laughs) where in 2012 it was like a little over five percent i want to say i'm crazy which that's that's a huge jump and we could thank covid to that for that but i guess one of the so i'm definitely more open to homeschool because of all those reasons than when i was Mm -hmm. like even two years ago Uh, i'm noticing like i'm like narrowing the gap between like yeah i would not consider that like a few years ago but it's like no i would not even consider that a couple years ago yeah T- how much things have changed in just two years really since covid but um one of the concerns i've had and i know you brought it up earlier early on the show and yeah i mentioned in the article as far as the kind of goes back kind of interconnects with stereotypes that i've had with homeschoolers when i first started interacting with them was the whole uh socialization aspect and how socially mature they were which when i was younger uh, i thought a lot of the times they were immature uh, as far as they didn't know pick up on certain social cues and i'm sure there's i'm sure you can probably attest to whether or not that's true um especially to the legalistic homeschool parents that you brought up earlier that's probably the group I was referring mm-hmm. probably the group that I interacted with, to be honest, and oh, I think yeah. about it. <laughs> but regardless, um, regardless of that, I uh, that I also met other homeschoolers that I would never have guessed they were homeschooled <laughs> because they oh, yeah. interacted with me. They picked up on social cues, etc. So I that's like the one thing I've definitely grown is like understanding because as I've gotten older, I've noticed as I've matured and become yeah. grown into my manhood or adulthood, if you will. Yeah. I'm starting to realize like some of the thoughts I thought were mature when I was younger were actually foolish and they were actually in the right, mm-hmm. weirdly enough. Yeah. It was so I was the one who was socially immature at the time, but there's oh, yeah. also other aspects where I was socially more mature than they were. And so with all that said, um, what's in regards to the socialization aspect, like what yeah. are the resources out there that would help, um, really break the stigma to say the least? Yeah. So I think or what's it like, or what's it like right now anyway, as far as like how do parents like get them involved in the communities so they get that exposure. So I can't speak to everybody, but I know currently like with the way that my mom and my uh and so my parents uh since i graduated high school and since my uh, brother preston graduated high school um they have like my siblings have had different um educational needs so my younger brother ryan we adopted him from china back in 2016 uh no 20 no, summer of 2016, yeah, because I went to college my freshman year of, and after we adopted him. But um, 
because of, because we adopted him when he was like 11 or 12, my parents had to, um, they, my mom tried to homeschool him, but she was having a lot of difficulty with that. And so, um, she and my parents ended up finding this really awesome school, um, that is called the provision in Lexington that has been just incredible for him because they have teachers there that are trained to handle and help like deescalate, um, students that had to have dealt with trauma. Uh, whether that be from their past or because of the like a condition that they have. My brother has bilateral microtia, so he doesn't have external ears. So he has a hard he time. He told me about that. Yeah, so he has a hard time hearing. And so it, that's been good for him. But my sisters, they attend a uh, co-op in Lexington, and um, they are able to have drama and um, different stuff like that my sisters and that's where like they have a lot of their socialization that's where my sister lily plays basketball my sister evie does drama there she's going to be in i mean she's one of the star lead or one of the star roles or whatever in a production they're doing of bye bye birdie uh minus all of the risky stuff that's in that play and um but that's where like they have a lot of interaction with their friends um like there's a lot of sports teams and stuff like when i was in, when i was in middle school and in high school i played for the same team, the guy's version of the team that my sister Lily is playing for uh, in Lexington. And then before that, my parents formed a, um, a, like they formed the capital Christian athletic association uh, in Frankfurt. And uh, we had a basketball team. We also had a volleyball team. The volleyball team is still going the basketball team, not anymore uh, just because my dad moved on to coach different teams, excuse me, but my, um, but yeah, but like that was that was really cool. We got to have that kind of socialization. Uh, the co-op that I was a part of here in Frankfurt is still going, as far as I know. Um, I think, I I think there's just been a lot of change because a lot of the parents and the like the core families that we were a part like that were a part of it have moved to different areas and stuff. But there are definitely there's an abundance of different co-ops and stuff. I know with here within. Um, frankfurt within the franklin county area there is what they call the uh, in addition to the co-op that we have they have this thing called classical conversations which is more uh classical learning so like you learn latin stuff like that i think i may be quoting the i may be remembering the uh uh, wrong person to ask i don't know <laughs> no because i think oh, I, I just don't I, I think that might be it but it's like more traditional classical learning um and there there is a lot and i can't because there's certain there's definitely certain areas within the united states that have more um more of a drought of this sort of thing but definitely within larger cities and stuff like that also there's usually um i from from my experience there's co-ops at least smaller co-ops within uh, like local, like surrounding towns and stuff. So like there's some in Lexington, there's one in Frankfurt. I know there's stuff in Louisville and then like Lawrenceburg, which is a town that's maybe 30 minutes from me uh, or not even maybe 20 minutes from me. They have their own co-op. So there's, there's definitely those resources there. Um, if a parent is looking into that, they just got to look for it. Um, it sounds like real quickly, not sorry to interrupt, but no, you're good. something something I'm noticing as far as that maybe public school has the advantage over homeschool or just really any structured school mm -hmm. environment where you go to private or charter schools yeah. is the continuity aspect as far as like, I don't have to worry. If I want to play football, 
I don't have to worry about oh, yeah. there not being a football oh, program yeah. next year. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I played when I was uh, 11 and 12, and then when I was 9, I played um, Frankfurt Youth Football um, for those three years or whatever, and I had a coach from the um, middle school come up and ask me um, if I wanted to come to their football camps and stuff um, because I – and because that was the only thing available to me in Franklin County. Now there's different, there's stuff definitely available in Florida for homeschool kids with public school sports, but um, because of the Tim Tebow law, but within Frankfurt, there's no such thing. So like if you wanted to play football beyond elementary school, you have to go to public enroll school. your kid to a public school or mm-hmm. any of the private schools. I'm oh sure, yeah. Which uh, that yeah. kind of brings me, that kind of makes me wonder how come, I'm sure there's like small voices out there in Kentucky, for example, and all these other yeah. states that don't have the Tim Tebow law, which, which by the way, in case anyone doesn't know what the Tim Tebow law that, for example, Florida has going on, it allows, <laughs> or Colorado even, yeah. it allows a homeschool children, homeschool children to participate in organized sports with public schools. So if they yeah. want to continue playing football at a high school level, they can actually go to their nearest high school and try out for the football team. And if they make the team, they're part of the team and they could still be homeschooled at the same time. Yeah, exactly. I um, wonder though, like how come they're not, there isn't a more concentrated effort to give those homeschoolers like that continuity uh, in case that stuff like that, where you just mentioned where the parents just moved the next year and now you don't have a football coach anymore, basically. I think there's a part of it that has to do with there is an abundance of like private schools that do allow um, homeschool students to play for them. Um, Recently, there was a a local private school here in Frankfurt that what did allow homeschool kids to play with them. But then because they wanted to play against more public schools, they made the rule that you have to be enrolled in at least one class or whatever with them in order to play. So that's a different thing. Um, that, that wasn't always that way, but it just happened recently. And it was kind of frustrating for my parents because they really liked having my kids play for that program. Um, but my kids, my siblings, their kids play for that program. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <not a> <laughs> um, I love how this is. That's totally going to stay in. Um, yeah, but that, that's all I've got to say on that. My brain's kind of kind of done as far as that's concerned <laughs> yeah so i mean so overall after everything what we've talked about today it sounds like you you know want to homeschool your children it's a very it's a real possibility probably on a spectrum you probably would lean more homeschool than public school i would imagine yeah uh, especially, right if stuff can, especially if stuff continues to go in the direction it does um like i said depending on what depending on life circumstance um, who I marry, um, different stuff like that. Um, it could, it, those will all be big determiners or whatever of, uh, but as far as yeah. like between public school and that's not even like looking at the other options, either. Yes, it's just yes, focusing yeah. on public school, oh, yeah, public school versus versus, homeschool. Yeah. Yeah. And right now, personally, I, now I'm leaning more towards homeschool if I had to pick between the two. But, and that's, again, not even looking at the other options right now, yeah. which yeah. I will 
do another podcast and I'll get someone who's actually been to private or charter school and get their percepts perspective. Yeah, that'll be good. As far as uh, what, what works better. And maybe, and I'm, I have some friends who have actually experienced a little bit of everything where they were homeschooled, they were went to a private school, and then they also were went to a public school. <laughs> and so yeah. um, that'll be really cool. But with that said, if you were to homeschool your children, uh, carry on that tradition, if you will, what yeah. would you do differently that your parents did that you thought, I want to kind of put my own twist to it, or I bet I could do, I bet I could, there's a better way to do that. So with being the oldest sibling, you are definitely more of a guinea the pig. guinea pig. <laughs> yes, because your parents are learning a lot of things as they go. So I have a lot of grace for the way my parents did different things. Um, there's a lot they did right. Um, I think one of the things that I would continue would be just my dad's involvement in the way that he was as far as like leading us spiritually. Um, I think depending on what my, cause there's a lot of variables like, you know, whether or not like you like both parents work or whether or not um, like what your child's educational needs and stuff are. So there's a lot of things that I can't necessarily speak to because I'm not living in that specific situation at the moment. Um, I think I would, <laughs> I would do a different history book than we did in uh, middle school and high school. We did a uh, Patriot's guide to American history. And that book is so unbelievably dry. It's sister um, companion to it, which talks about, uh, I think it's maybe world war one on in the 20th century. And like the beginning of the 21st century was super duper, like was a lot more interesting Awesome. I probably just appreciated history more at that point, but I think I would just choose a more interesting means of teaching my children history because, <laughs> because I think that one of the ways, the reasons why some people don't necessarily read history is because people who teach history, um, they tend to teach it in a dry way. I want to teach it, I guess, more like how my professor. So it's funny. My favorite history teacher, uh, ever was my, um, was well was first my dad but then second was my uh was my uh english lit or not english lit my uh classical lit teacher at boyce so just real real quick thing he taught so his his uh doctorate he got was in like latin literature and so when we talked about the aeneid and we talked about also even greek um history and stuff he was very good about telling the story of what happened for those civilizations and like around the books, like it was a story. And that made history a lot more compelling to me. I think um, as far as teaching my kids history, I would teach it in more of a story formatting, but also emphasize the importance of knowing history because at the end of the day, I think that is going to be the determiner of how we keep our or of how we keep the future generations straight. Um, I mean, my parents were good about teaching me history, good about teaching me American, the American constitution and stuff like that. But just teaching my kids the importance of knowing history, knowing where we come came from, knowing, you know, the history of this nation scars and all, knowing the history of the world just in general um, 
is helpful because, I mean, just to give an example, I mean, within the church, um, a lot of error that is being taught today could be combated by knowing church history because there are certain heresies and I'm not, I'm not going to name names or name denominations, but certain things being taught today in the church that were already disproven and, uh, and, and, anathematized i think is how you say that they were made in an anathema which means like they are anathemized anathemized sorry they were anathemized within the first like 100 years of the church so um but people don't know that people don't know these errors because they don't know church history and so um, well i was just gonna say regards to history and everything like that i mean even like when you look at the science revolution in the enlightenment era per se. Yeah. Um, a lot of, I've noticed in the public school system in particular, and this is, and I'm speaking not only as a product, but also as someone who subbed for a little bit. And I was yeah. reading through textbooks and everything like that. Uh, they definitely leave out a lot of things. And so if you read the textbook from the public school system, for example, you would leave with the impression that the in church and science were on polar opposite ends. Oh Yeah. As far as, you know, oh, the church was the one that wanted to keep things as far as, you know, the earth is flat. But the person who discovered or came up with the theory the earth was not flat came from within the church. And he was actually arguing on behalf of the scriptures. Exactly. But yeah, if you went to a public school, you wouldn't know that. But to no, kind of, so I'm just kind of piggyback on the church history a little bit. Um, yeah. Kind of co- it kind of coincides anyway. But yeah. Um, and I think maybe the books that you read were also the product of those who were trying to, uh, even at, even at the time that you were in school, were trying to rewrite history. I mean, wait, like, they're probably in the middle of it at the time. Oh, probably yeah, definitely in the middle of it at the time. I mean, like more now, so with kids these days in school, with them trying to re, with certain history books, probably trying to rewrite stuff from a CRT lens. Um. I mean, I could tell you right now, they completely uh, rewrote even recent history. Um, like I think I told you a little bit about it in Alabama when I was reading through recent history, which high schoolers are being taught all the way up until 2016. Now. That's how far the history books go, like the Whoa. 2016 election. Yeah. Wow. But, however, I say that because they also have when Black Lives Matter started, which if you actually know if you were alive – you would know it started with the death of Trayvon Martin after yes. George Zimmerman uh, killed him. Yes. Whether you whether or not you believe in self-defense, totally irrelevant to the conversation. But if you read the textbook, it'll say the death of Michael Brown, which took place two years after Trayvon Martin's death. Hmm. And, they, and so that they already rewrote history, recent history, which... It's kind of weird considering, you know, critical race theory, you would think, you know, they it's kind also of would disconcerting. Get... What was that? It's also disconcerting. Like it's it's concerning, especially like how how recently they have been trying to even change history. Oh, yeah. As of yeah. as of the people, especially like the high schoolers right now, like they were I'm pretty sure they're at least in elementary school when that stuff went down. Um the high schoolers now anyway, but if they could mess up and rewrite recent history, I cannot, I don't even get into the details of like how bad the rest of the history actually is and how much they probably rewrote it to fit yeah. a certain narrative, Yeah, which is a kind of goes back to the whole indoctrination 
aspect, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, unfortunately the sad reality that the public school is going. I'm not. Uh, my friend, one of my best friends, uh, teaches at a public school right now, and yeah. it doesn't sound like it's all bad right now. So it's not like when I say like the public, the rest of the public school system. I am speaking in general generality um, yeah. obviously not every single public school is going to be that bad yeah but you have to also can take in consideration where it only take where it only takes one di- school district and it's kind of like a slow domino effect or it's just let me rephrase it actually you don't wake up one just like you don't wake up one day wanting to be an act it's just a slow process of getting there before you know it you realize what the heck happened yeah, I was this person yesterday, and now I'm here. Same with the public school system, where, um, you know, it's a slow cooking process. So yeah, yeah maybe it's not going to affect the school just this. Maybe that school district isn't doing that way right now. Yeah, but if parents kind of go back to your point earlier, as far as just get involved in their school or excuse me, in their kids' lives and their education, whether they homeschool them or send them to public school. Um, if they don't, if they don't notice those little moments of indoctrination and call it out in the moment, then that's, then it's going to lead into those, like, then it's going to be leading to those deep scenarios and bad situations where there was a school in Virginia where in the library, they actually had a book. I want to say it's a children's book. Um, it was like an elementary school. Don't hold me to it. I don't remember the exact current event, but it basically depicted two gay men uh, giving a BJ with each other. And this is a public school, elementary school. Jeez Louise. Like, this is not <laughs> – right? And yeah. I guarantee you, 10 years ago, they probably would, they probably would have thought, oh, that's not, that's not going to happen here. But mm. now they're, now they're there. They're, now they're really far and deep. So yeah. I speak in generalities and everything like that. Take it with a grain of salt. But if you're a parent right now and maybe you're in that situation where you do not know if you're capable of homeschooling your children, like maybe financially speaking, like you just can't afford it and you don't have that support system per se, at least do yourself the due diligence of getting involved with your kid, kids, public education, get involved in the school board meetings and actually pay attention to what's being taught. Yeah. And as soon as you see that little, you know, the little snake, if you will, just trying to simmer through the cracks, if you will, uh, call it out and chop its head off right on the spot before it goes any further. Because I promise you, you're not, you're going to wake up one day. If you don't catch it right now, you're going to wake up one day and go, why didn't I say something sooner? So, yeah. Exactly. Um, you have any final thoughts? Any last things you want? To, anything you want to share before we close out? Um, I would just say that not every person can afford to do homeschooling like we did. Not everybody can can have access to the same things. So don't feel like you are a terrible parent if you can't homeschool your kid because you can't afford it. The way that you make a difference in your kid's life is you actually have conversation with them and you have a relationship with them. Like I read in that Deuteronomy passage earlier, um, it's about having a relationship with your kid. It's about 
being in their life. It's about being involved with educating them. Even if you can, even if you just have to do it at home and, you know, have them question what they're being taught or have them be, um, or have them have a safe place where they can ask questions because if they're shut down by some teacher at school, you need to be that place where they can come to you and be like, Hey, so I asked this question to Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so and they didn't answer or they dodged it or they told me that I should come ask you. Um, and also be like, like he's, uh, like Ken said, be vigilant to be paying attention to what is going on in your kid's education. Um, I just want to say something real quick. I appreciate you saying to not judge uh, those who do send their kids to public school because I've noticed more along, more so in the conservative circle as far as judging parents who continue to send <laughs> yeah. their kids to public school, I've noticed. Yeah. And it seems like we're forgetting our humanity in the process. Like, mm-hmm. I understand the public yeah. school education system is not perfect. Mm-hmm. And yeah. frankly, if it weren't for the politicization of it, I would even venture to say, like, it needs reform. Any, it needed reform anyway. Yes. Like, I don't think many schools offer what I had in particular at my high school yeah. as far as financial education. That was an actual class I was able to take oh, yeah. junior year of high school, which yeah. a homeschooler would probably get that anyway. That's probably guaranteed for them. But mm-hmm. for a public school student, that's not guaranteed. So that's that would have needed to happen anyway. Yeah. And I do wish more homeschoolers – or pro homeschoolers like yourselves would actually say stuff like that and just kind of keep that nuance in perspective as far as like not everyone, maybe the homeschool homeschool is not for everyone. It's not, it's not for everyone. If you, if you, if you tell people that, and if you believe that, like I did, I did believe that when I was younger, I was like, everyone should be homeschooled, but not everybody can. Not Not everybody should. Yeah. (laughs) And and like I said, my article, like some people, there are scenarios where the kid and their home situation is abusive and they're probably better off going to a public education system where they can just get away from that environment. Some um, kids in Eastern Kentucky don't get fed if they don't go to public school because they're yeah. not being fed at home. And that's, and that's the nuance that I want the more conservative voices out there to t- kind of take into context and just put into perspective get perspective on yes and also i will say this is and i'll close this out um i'm kind of go back to the stereotypes and everything like that yeah for the longest time i didn't realize that homeschool can actually get expensive first and foremost all right yes <laughs> so i'm very glad much that up so <laughs> it is an expensive thing ladies and gentlemen homeschooling is expensive well, it can be expensive. It doesn't have to be, I heard. But yeah, exactly. it's definitely, um, if you definitely know the right people, I'm sure you can probably spend a lot less. Um, it's not what you know, it's who you know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, I'm glad you brought that up because, and it kind of just go back, goes back into the whole um, homeschool is not for everyone. So if homes, if you don't, if after listening to this episode, my friends, you feel like homeschool is not still not the right fit and you still want to send your kid to public school or maybe you want to look at other options. Maybe you don't feel comfortable with either or, hey, that is your right and you're not any worse of a parent or better of a parent no, for that matter. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, my friend, 
Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah. Or, excuse not tuning in, but thanks for joining me on the show. Yeah, it's been a great time. Uh, yeah, I'll uh, definitely have to do it again sometime. And I'll definitely invite you again. As a matter of fact, quick announcement. Uh, we're actually going to do a little Valentine's Day special coming up. <laughs> and my friend Devin and one other friend is going to join us. And we're going to talk about, we're, we're going to change the pace up a little bit. Uh, in case you haven't noticed, talking about homeschool, it's more cultural based and political mm-hmm. based. Yeah. So we're also going to kind of more focus on the cultural aspects as far as the church, dating, marriage. So if you're interested, if you're into that, or just want to hear, you know, us talk about dating in general, tuning in, tune in soon for that. But anyways, hashtag uh, purity culture. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> so with that said, ladies and gentlemen, if you stay tuned, I'll be back. But my friend Devin will be gone. But Devin, thanks again for tuning in. Did a great job today. Thanks a lot, Ken. Nope. Everybody, subscribe to Ken, his podcast. Yes, he does good work. Yeah. <laughs> until next You're time welcome. Devin I'll talk alright talk to you welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Taboo Topic I am your host Ken Drew wrapping it up for today's episode I want to thank you guys again, my audience and new audience members, if you will, uh, for tuning into today's conversation. I hope you got something out of it. I definitely did. It was a nice conversation and just kind of new insight and perspective on homeschool, as if I haven't had enough from all the years and friendships I've had developed with homeschoolers. Uh, but it's honestly been very eye-opening the last few years, so it was very uh, a good moment for me to kind of just reflect in the midst of the conversation how far I've come in my perception of just the topic of homeschool and the idea of homeschool. It's a rough world out there. We must do the best we can to make sure the next generation is set up for success. Um, I want to thank again for Devin. Thank again, Devin, for. Uh, participating in today's show and he will be back for our valentine's day edition and you are more than welcome to participate in that or tune into that show i should say even if you're not religious there's going to be three people myself included uh that's going to be talking about dating but it's going to be more from a faith-based perspective it's going to be a change of pace but you don't have to believe in the same religion that we do uh like i said you're more than welcome to join in and tune in if anything you can get the Get some good advice just about dating in general. But anyways, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, please tune in, tune in again for the next edition of Taboo Topic whenever it comes out. Uh, we can freak we app ah, can talk. We can review edition on Fridays where I give my three to six stories of the week that I found interesting. So with that said, I hope you have a great rest of your Wednesday. And until then, God bless.